We are Crossroads Grace Church. Our purpose is to lead people to discover Jesus and to follow him fully. Today's message is taught by our lead pastor, Brian Hunt. From wherever you're listening, we hope that you are challenged and encouraged by this week's message. Man, hey, good morning, everybody. Good to see you guys. Good to see you guys. Welcome to church. My name is Brian. I'm the lead pastor here. Grateful that you and your family would join us here today. Uh, just so you know, our mission is to lead people to discover Jesus and follow him fully. That's what we want to do more than anything else. So if we can help you do that, whether you're here, you're online in the middle of the week, we want to help you grow. So let us know how we can do that for you. Uh, now, I'm going to let you know, I'm going to give you an idea of exactly how the rest of this service is going to go. Here's what's going to happen. I'm going to preach. We're going to take communion. I've got two big announcements at the end. Okay. To recap. I'm going to preach, we're going to do communion, and we're going to have two big announcements at the end. Do not leave, do not go to the exits. Two big announcements at the end, you're not going to want to miss it. So, listen, I'm grateful that you guys are here today, because we're wrapping up this series called Stuff That You Can't Say in Church. And the stuff that we can't say in church so often is this big word called money. No one likes to talk about money. Uh, and if you're here today and your first time, you're probably thinking, why did I come on this day? And you're wondering, can I text, get me out of church to 797979? Because that would be great. That's something that I would do right now. Because a lot of us, we think that God just wants to take all of our money and all of our fun and he wants to soak it all away from us. But what we've been trying to do these past few weeks is dispel the myths that are out there about God and our money. Because in most cases, I would argue that the things that we think about aren't because of personal experiences, things that we've gone through. They're actually from presuppositions that we bring in here from over the years. Again, we feel like God is, uh, wants all of our money, but we never have really taken the time to know what God really wants. We never take the time to really listen to what God has to say about it. Uh, one of my favorite stories about my brothers and I growing up is when we were in uh, we were in swim team. Okay, so we were in the swim team. I was a butterflyer. My brother was a breaststroker. My other brother he just floated. Like I don't know what he did, but we were on the swim team. And and so three brothers and we made some ruckus in the car in our Oldsmobile station wagon. Can I get an amen for an Oldsmobile station wagon? Right. So it got the volume got a little bit loud in there. And so my mom one day on the way home. She finally had enough of it, and she says, boys, that's it. I'm going to count to three, and when I say three, I want silence in this car. My middle brother Brad and I looked at each other, and we're like, I know what that means. We better zip it, Skippy. Like, we're just going to be quiet. My little brother Brandon, he's like, uh, Mom, uh, I have a question. And, and Brad and I looked at each other like, homeboy's going down. Like, we're losing a brother today, you know? <laughs> He's like, Do you, uh, say that again. She's like, young man, I said, when I count to three, I want silence in this car. Brad and I are like, whew. Brandon says, no, mom, one more, um, what did you say one more time? And I swear, I thought her eyes were going to pop out of her head. She says, young man, I'm going to count to three. And if I don't have silence in the car, I'm going to work everybody over in this car. And we're like, okay. Mm, she says, one, two, three. Brad and I, dead silent. Brandon? Brad and I thought, well, it was a nice run. We had a brother, it was going to be good, but he's, he's dead. Mom pulls over the side of the car. She goes, young man, what do you think you're doing? He's like, mom, 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 I thought you said when you counted to three, you wanted sirens. <laughs> see, see what happened was, see, he thought he heard what she said, but she really didn't know, he didn't really know what she said. And guys, that's the same thing that happens with us and God. 
We think that we know what God says, but we never take the time to look for ourselves. So what we've agreed to do over these past few weeks is to take all the things that we think we know, these preconceived notions, what we think God says, and what we want to do is we want to look at what the Bible really says. What it really, really says. We've, we've, we've agreed to set those things aside to hear what God would say. And I'd invite all of us to do that today. So if this is your first time here today, I would just ask you to come with open hearts, open eyes, and open ears about what God might be telling you about this subject. And here's what I promise you. I promise that we are not going to take a special offering. I'm not going to ask you to do anything. I'm not going to ask you to sign anything. I just want us to listen with an open mind about what God might be saying to you today. Because the, the truth is, is the Bible talks a lot about money. Jesus talks a lot about money. We all talk a lot about money. So why in the world would we not talk about money if it's that big of a concern to God and it's that big of a concern to you and I? Again, I love what my friend, Pastor Trevor DeBeige says. He says that money matters to us, so it matters to God. We said it week one, we'll say it again week four. Because once we start to understand what God, understand that God is concerned about us, that he cares about us like all of us, we can start to understand why this subject is so important. And over these past few weeks, we've been using my friend's book, Bo Chancey, his book, uh, Stuff You Can't Say in Church, What If One Prayer Could Change Your View of God and Money. We've used it as a framework to kind of have our discussion around this. And we've used these different symbols that we see all around our, our culture all the time as a way of getting there. Uh, these four symbols that you see, we've used them each and every week. Now, week one, we said that we want to we unpack what money was. We, and what we said is that there's actually five fake news stories that are out there about God and money. And we ultimately said that the giver of the gift brings us gladness, not the gladness in the gift. That we actually understand that God is what brings us the most happiness, the most gladness. It's not the gift itself. That's what we found out week one. Now, week two, we looked at the pound sign, the number sign. Uh, week two, Pastor Bo came and gave that message, and he said that there are five things that we expect money to give us that ultimately really can't do that. And, and we're looking for money to do things it was never designed to do. That's why. And so we unpacked those five things. Now, last week, we looked at the percentage. Last week, we discovered that God has designed us in a certain way to free us from the worship of money. And the way that he did that was through this thing called the percentage, called the tithe. And this 10% is not about religion. It's really about demonstrating a relationship that we have with God. And as we develop that relationship with him, we naturally begin to give. So if you missed any of those messages, whether, again, you're online with us or whether you're here right now, you can go online to our website and take a look. Or you can download our free app and you can find all those things there. But today we dive into the last symbol. And the last symbol that we're going to look at is, is and. Um, again, we had a lot of road trips as I was growing up with my brothers and I and my mom. And one of the things is, is that pretty much once a year, we would take a road trip from Rapid City, South Dakota, booming metropolis, Rapid City, South Dakota, and we would go to Cincinnati, Ohio, where my mom was from. So when you grew up in Rapid City, Cincinnati was like, it was like Atlantis. It was like the greatest place you've ever been in your life. So we would go there once a year. Now, the problem is, is my mom never liked to fly. We could never afford it, and she didn't like to fly. So we would drive that thing from Rapid City to Cincinnati. 20 hours in the car with three boys in the back seat. That's how that rolled. Now, at that time, we didn't have iPads or screens or Benadryl, none of that. You know, we couldn't do any of that. Um, so, so my mom, was, it was her creative mind up against three unsatiably energetic boys. That was what she had. So what my mom did 
was that she would give us a present every hour from Rapid City all the way to Cincinnati. So that means three boys times 20 hours, that's 60 individually wrapped presents in the funny section of the newspaper. Remember that, right? So she would individually wrap it. The back of our Volkswagen looked like Santa's sleigh. It just had just mom, right? And so the idea was this. You could open a present and it had to last you an, an hour. You had to play with it for an hour, which is genius now that I'm a, I'm a parent, you know, unbelievable. So she did it. So you'd open the present, play for it an hour, you'd get another one in an hour. No doubt, every time this would happen, we would open up one of the presents, and whether it was one of us or all of us, we would go, oh. And we'd look at our mom, and we would say, and, right? Like we expected something more. It wasn't quite good enough for us. The fact that I have all of my teeth in my mouth is an amazing act of God in and of itself because I deserve to be popped like you wouldn't believe to the things that I'm saying, right? Mama, you ungrateful. No, no, no. She never did that. She just, you have to play with it for an hour. And so we wanted more. But also, I don't know if you grew up with a mama like this, but my mom had a way. She could unhinge her arm and just work us over in the back seat while driving. Anybody have a mama like that? Right? You just take it off and just start beating, you know what I mean? Just like crazy. I love you, Mom. But, I mean, unbelievable. But, but the reality was is that we wanted more. We're like, Mom, we, we think we deserve more. However, as I think about this, do we think the same thing with God? That even if we understand everything that we've talked about so far, and we believe that, you know what, we, we can't have God be our money, and we, we should give money back to God because He's generous to us, and that money isn't, a, isn't a, a wallet issue, it's a heart issue. Even if we believe all of that, deep down we still think, okay, God, I'll give you some of my money. But what's in it for me? But what do I get in return? We want to know what the net effect is going to be for us. Because in our culture, we know that there is no such thing as a selfless giver. We all know that Tan's taffel is, is correct, right? You know what that means, right? There ain't no such thing as a free lunch. There ain't no such thing as a free lunch. Back in the 19th century, that's when that started. Bars used to use it. They would advertise free lunch if you bought a drink. And so it wasn't free at all. And so we've adopted that same thing. We believe that there is nothing that's free. So if we take our nice church self for a second, we just kind of put it neatly in the corner over here. Let's just be honest. We would all agree with that. Because we've all said a time or two, okay, God, I gave. Now what do I get? Hey, my hand's in the air too. I, I, I've totally been there. God, I've been faithful in giving for a long time. Where's my break? Some of you might say, you know, I've given, uh, I've, 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 I've given money to take a few kids to Hume and, and help them out. Hey, what, what, what's in it for me? God, I've helped my neighbor with his rent a time or two. When are you going to help me out? Everybody wants something in return. We are all looking at God and saying, and what, what is it, God? And here's what you're expecting God to do. You're expecting God to kind of be like my mom and just start working us over and say, you just be happy with what you got. You know, zip it, skippy, you're totally fine. But the reality is, is this. People have been brought up to believe that. That that's what they think God was going to say again. But here's where a little of your brain might kind of leak out the side of your ear what I'm about to tell you. Because God actually does say that there is an and when it comes to giving. But it comes when we're seeking the right things first. See? <laughs> 
Jesus says this, Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 33, he says this, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. And you're saying, that's a nice Jesus verse there, Pastor Brian, but what do we actually get? Great question. Look a couple verses earlier. Verse 31 says, So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Now, some people are kind of sitting back and they're saying, ah, you almost got me, Pastor B, with all this stuff. You, you almost got me. But what I just heard you say is that in order for me to have food, shelter, water, and be able to be provided for, I have to believe in God first. Now, that's kind of messed up. That seems a little bit odd to me. Again, especially if you're here today and you don't believe in God or Jesus or anything like that, you might think that's straight up crazy straws. What are you even talking about, Pastor Brian? But before you jump ship, let's just look at this for a second. Because we all know people that don't believe in God and they have plenty of food and shelter and clothing. In fact, they probably have better stuff than we do. So there isn't a direct correlation that you have to believe in God in order for you to get things. Because if that was true, a lot more people would believe in God. Now, the verse just told us, though, that Jesus says that even the pagans run after all these things. But the key word that we need to remember here is this one right here. Is run. It, it, it's, it's this word, run. Again, you don't have to believe in God at all today to believe this, but here's the truth. The truth is, is that what we run after is what we care about the most. What we run after is what we care about the most. Let me get outside of the, uh, uh, the money world just for a second. In college, when I first met my wife, Cherie, um, it was one of the most amazing moments. We've been married 17 years at this point, and so I remember the first time that I laid eyes on her. She was beautiful. She was an athlete. She loved Jesus, and she also was a fantastic student. I mean, it was package deal time, okay? So I was in class. I saw her walk in. I was like, that girl is cute. She's going to help me pass genetics. That's what I thought, okay? That's just the honest to goodness truth, okay? And, and so here was the deal. I saw her and I ran after her. I put every ounce of game that was in my being into pursuing her, into dating her, to eventually marrying her. Were there to be anything that would happen to Cherie, God help me, I have no more game. I am out of game. I am hopeless, okay? So there's no chance for me. Because starting my junior year, I started to pursue her with everything that I had. I didn't care about other girls. I didn't care what other people said. I just was laser focused on Cherie Dunn. That's all I could think about. She was what I was running after. And what God is saying here is that what we focus on the most is what's going to take the most of our attention. What we focus on the most will take the most of our attention. In, in the case of the pagans, they were running after food and drink and shelter had no worries about God at all because, frankly, they didn't care. They had no desire for that. But what Jesus is saying is if we focus on the kingdom of God, if we focus on the kingdom of God, our entire focus, our desire to know Him, we will not only gain a relationship with God, we will also have a gracious Father that will also give us everything that we need, which means, means, which means this. We get God and everything we need. But so often, we just think about the things that we need, and we forget about God. And God's saying, uh-uh-uh, you can have God and those things. 
Jesus says, seek God first and you will get something in return, but it won't be frequent flyer miles on Southwest or some crazy trip to Cancun that you bought. No, nothing like that. It's not like that at all. In fact, it's far greater than that. So what I want us to do for the rest of our time today is I want us to look at five ands God gives us as we give. Five ands that God gives us as we give. That as we release our control, our desire to control our money, we start to honor him with our entire life of everything that we've been given. There's some amazing things that we get in return. So these five ands that God will give us. First one that we see is that God, give to God and you will trust him like never before. Trust him like never before. Trust is hard for all of us. Every one of us has trust issues for some reason or another. Man, I certainly do. I certainly do. I've had people that have left the church that I thought were friends, that I thought I could trust. That hurt a lot. I've had friends that have said things behind my back that weren't true. I, I've, I've, I've been bitten by trusting people a little bit too much, and it's come back to hurt me. I've, I've been there. And you may have some things, too, in your life. You very well might have a spouse that walked out on you. A boss that said one thing and did another thing. Maybe a friend that blew all of your credibility just with one Facebook post. You've lost trust in people. And, and because of all these trust issues, God usually receives all the, all, all the brunt of that distrust. And so what we'll tell him is, I can't trust you to provide. I can't trust you to come through. I can't trust that you want to give me joy. We say, I can't trust God. But when we apply those hurts, those things that other people, broken people have done to us in our life, we are actually stiff-arming the very thing that we need more than anything to be able to trust again. Guys, that's why the, one of the best things that we offer here is a program called Celebrate Recovery on Wednesday nights. CR is so important because it deals with hurts, habits, and hang-ups, most of which are around the idea of trust. Like, what are you trusting? Who are you trusting? What are you trusting more in than something else? And guess what? Here's a little insider scoop for you. CR is not just for alcoholics and drug addicts. It's actually for everybody. Because everybody's got hurts, everybody's got hang-ups, everybody's got things they've got to work on, everybody's got trust issues. So if you want to do yourself a favor and get out of the prison that you're in, join us on CR on Wednesday nights. It will free you, and you will learn to trust again. I'm telling you. But listen to the words of Jesus as to why we should be able to trust God with our money again. Look at verse 7, starting in verse, or chapter 7, verse 9. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how, how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Guys, listen, God would be a pretty messed up father if he pulled a bait and switch and gave you a snake instead of an Xbox. That'd be pretty messed up. But that's not what God does. He sent his son Jesus as proof of why we can trust him. So, consider this. If we can trust him with our salvation, why can't we trust him with our savings? Why can't we? My friends, it's not magic. It's faith. We have faith that God is good. He is a good God. He has good in store for us. And so to that end, we give knowing that we can trust him in return. That's what we gain in return. Give to God, your trust is going to grow. Number two is this. Give to God, and he will give you peace. Give you peace. On the other side of trust are these nasty things called fear and anxiety. We, we aren't at peace when we find ourselves worrying, especially when it comes to money. Because, guys, we worry a lot, don't we? We worry about having enough money, finding money, spending money, investing in money, giving money away. 
And if you have no foundation in your life other than money and success and all that goes with those things, you have to worry about it. You have to worry. Because your source of joy and happiness and security and peace and identity in life is found in those things. So you must worry about them so that you can fill that tank as much as you possibly can. But what God is saying is that if we give to Him first, if we have our foundation in Him, if we think about Him first, then we have something totally different to look forward to. Paul tells us this in actually Philippians chapter 4, one of my favorite books of the Bible. He says this in chapter 4, verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Paul is saying that we can lay down our anxiety and our fear and our worry and all their nasty cousins at the feet of Jesus and give it all to him. And, and when we do that, we can rejoice. We can rejoice in him always, and we find our peace in him. He grants us peace that we never thought possible. The psalmist says this in Psalm 4, In peace I will lie down and sleep, for you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. God wants to give you safety. He wants to give you peace as a result of you giving, of letting that part of you go and giving it to him. Number three is this. Give to God and you will worship in freedom. In freedom. Worship is more than songs that we sing. It is the song our soul screams. We put our life, what we put our life into is what we're expecting life to come out of. What we put our life into is what we're expecting life to come out of. For instance, when we put our life into our kids, we are expecting life to come out of our kids. When we put our life in our job, we are expecting our job to give us life. When we put our life into our appearance, we're hoping that our looks will give us life. When we put our life into our money, we are expecting money to give us life. That is the worship of our souls. And listen, I, I know this sounds extreme. I know it sounds far-fetched and over-the-top religious, but listen... It's true. Deep down, you know it is true. Because again, you don't have to be a Christian here to have this happen to you. Because you, you've cried yourself to sleep at night after they broke up with you. Because you have thought your life was over when they fired you. Because when your kids went to college, you felt your life went with them. Because when you see everyone around you going on vacations that you can't afford, but you really wish, you, you feel like a failure. When we know, listen... We know when we're worshiping something, when our life is deeply affected by its absence. That's how we know. Because very rarely, very rarely, we will ever notice that we're worshiping something when we have enough of it. You ever notice that? It's only when it's taken away that all of a sudden we see the effect that it had on us. When it's gone. But what God is trying to show us through his son Jesus is that there will never be enough of the stuff in this world to make you feel complete. We will always be a slave to the world. And that's why Jesus is so emphatic, actually, in Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 19. He says, do not store up for yourself treasure on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. When we stop storing up things that won't last, 
and put our trust and our hope in things that will last, in Jesus, we will finally worship as we are always meant to worship. We are able to worship him freely without the burden of trying to get more so we can feel more complete. When money no longer has a hold on us, we can finally hold on to what matters the most. Number four is this. Give to God and your prayers will get bold. Now, I don't know about you, but when I am consumed by money, my prayers get really small. They get super small. I don't pray for other people. I don't pray that God uses me in big ways. I don't pray to give me opportunities to, to tell people about Jesus. I don't even really pray for anything other than money. My prayers become laser-focused and super small. God, I need money. Amen. Like, that's it. <laughs> that's what we pray. And, and listen, I get it. My wife and I, we have been there early in our marriage. We were literally playing, praying for the light bill a time or two. We have been there. But I will tell you this. I didn't like those prayers. I didn't feel good. I didn't like praying small because I was so dependent on money. Because when I've got money in the right spot in my life, I am generous and I will pray differently. Now, listen very closely, though. Listen very closely. Notice what I didn't say. I didn't say that when I had a ton of money, when I was rolling in the dough like, like Scrooge McDuck, like it was nothing like that. Listen, that ain't my life. What I just said is that when I get my money priorities right and my giving in line, I am much more free to pray big, gnarly, audacious prayers. Prayers that only God could do because he would have to be in it. Giving frees you up to pray beyond your worries and your fears and your reliance on money. It lets you pray as though you believe God was who he says he was and would do what he said that he would do. And that's what God wants to give you. He wants to give you giant, huge prayers. He wants you to pray beyond all that stuff. And that happens when you're not at, in prison with money, when you are giving and your heart is generous. And number five is this. Give to God, and your identity will be rooted in Him. We all have roots in something. We all have dug our lives into the soil of something in hopes that we will grow out of it. That's our hope. And so many of us have planted our lives in money, hoping that success and fame and security and even peace will grow out of it. But even when the money does come, it doesn't mean it's going to do what it said it was going to do. I want you to listen here in a second to something that I found. I want you to listen to someone. His name is Nathan Farstein, uh, but you might actually know him as NF. The rapper NF. Uh, NF is a multi-platinum rapper, multi-number one billboard albums, and has a net worth in the millions and millions and millions of dollars. He is someone that virtually has everything that someone would want. But on his most recent album, he recorded a track that haunted me the very first time I heard it. It's called Interlude. And I want you to hear what he says. Take a listen. My most considered, like, successful moment of my life was the worst. The most depressed I've ever been. Literally feeling like I'd probably be happier if I was just dead. I got a number one on the billboard. My song is massive right now. Like, I may never have a song this big again. My tour, I think every date sold out except one date. 
So I literally had everything that I had always dreamed of happening, yeah. and I felt, I didn't feel happy at all. And so I think what happened was I spiraled really bad, because I was like, I'm here, and if this is it, there's got to be more for me, because if this is it, like, it's not going to work. That's truth, my friends. That's truth. When your roots are in money, you will always say, if this is it, it's not going to work. Now, listen to what the great C.S. Lewis once said. He says, one of the dangers of having a lot of money is that you may be quite satisfied with the kinds of happiness money can give and so fail to realize your need for God. If everything seems to come simply by signing checks, you may forget that you are at every moment totally dependent on God. Here's the thing. As much as we don't want to believe what he just said is true, as much as we want to make exceptions, make excuses and say, you know what, I'm the exception to the rule. I would be able to handle that. As much as we want to say that, we know it's true. We know it's true. Because the bottom line to this whole message, I want you to consider this. God's ands are always better than our buts. Always. But God, I don't know if I, if I give, if I'm going to have enough. But, but, but God, I, I don't know what people would say if I actually did that. But, but God, what if, I, what if I go and I don't make it? But God, what, if, what happens? But God, but God, but God, but God, we just, oh. And every time we see it, the worry and the fear and the anxiety bubbles up. And God's saying it's not about buts, it's about ands. It's about ands. It's about what I will give you. It's about God and everything else. It's not to the exclusion of God. The reason this is true is because God is generous. He's always about ands. Generous and generous. And as I was thinking of this, I, I, I got to thinking of our, of our military and our troops and how generous they are with their lives. Generous of, of giving their very life for you and I, standing in the, in the middle of things that none of us probably would ever want to be in. A couple of weeks ago, we had Veterans Day, and, and frankly, we didn't do a very good job of remembering our veterans and how generous they really were. And so I just want to say, number one, I'm sorry, but number two, I want to say thank you for being the type of men and women that are so generous that you would lay your life down for each and every one of us. So thank you. But could you imagine what the applause would be like in heaven? And all of a sudden, God looks down. He's like, hey, 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 come here, come here. Look, he's starting to, he's starting to get it. He's starting to be generous. Hey, 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 look at that family. They're, they're starting not to care as much about what their neighbors think and more about what I think. Look at that. Hey, hey, t take a look at what's happening over there. They're, they're actually like in their community and making a difference in their community. Can you imagine the applause in heaven when all of the heavens are like, that's my kids. They're doing it. Yes. They're worried about the ands and not the buts anymore. 
They're learning that generosity is what it's all about. Can you imagine what the heavens would sound like if we got this right? Because we can. Because of Jesus. Because of what we celebrate at communion every week. Because of what it says in Romans 8, where it says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Jesus gave his life up for you and me. Not so that, that would be the end, but that so it would be the end. That we could see something beyond what we see in this small little life that we live. That there's more to it. And there's more to it that we can see right now and more to it that we'll be after. But right now, this is the life he's called us to. This is the time he's called us to. And so what we do is we worship him. And we say, God, it's not about the butts, it's about the hands. And so at communion, remember Jesus. Remember his sacrifice of what he gave for us. But I would hope that as you consider this time, that you might consider your life and maybe process this message and this service, maybe the last three, four weeks if you've been here. What is God calling you to do? What is he asking you to give up? Where has he been stirring inside you? And my hope is that the ands would be louder than the buts and that you would lean into it with everything that you have. If you've discovered Jesus and this ministry has helped you follow him fully, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. You can give through our Crossroads app or at crossroadsgrace.org give. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe to enjoy more messages like this. Now go and follow him fully.